welcome to Cultivate with Chelsea, the podcast that supports perinatal women and navigating life postpartum. I'm your host and new mama friend, Chelsea Barbeen, here to talk about all the things they don't tell you to expect after you're expecting. All right, mama, your time is more valuable than ever now, so let's dive in. It's time to cultivate. we're diving into, you guys. Today, we have therapist and social worker in private practice from British Columbia, Cecilia Manella. Hello. Guys. So excited to be here. We have a very juicy topic we're going to dive into. This has been much requested. Boundaries in our intimate relationships. And I feel like, ooh, there's so much to talk about. Um, Cecilia, thank you so much for coming on and joining me for this conversation. Um, I'm so excited to dive into the juiciness of it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. As soon as we met the first time, I was like, I I love you. (laughs) Like, Can we just be best friends? (laughs) Yeah. Like, why do you live so far away? Um, Truthfully, it's, oh my goodness. It was such a fun conversation and I'm really excited to dig in here because we didn't go over like any of your points of view on anything. So I'm like going to learn alongside with the <laughs> listeners. And um, before we dive into the conversation though, I would love for you just to share a little bit of your background of like, how did you get into this work? Like this is like not for the faint of heart, I feel. Oh, I don't think I've ever had anyone say that to me. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, I mean, do, would you disagree? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, it's. No, I'm so in it. I love it. I think, you know, the big, it's such a, I feel like everything started when I was like little mm. and then just kind of per- progressed into that space. And I'm the oldest of four, like four children and um, biracial parents. And I spent, my dad's Latino, so from Chile. So I've had kind of that spiciness in me, probably from when I was really young. I was really, you know, I was always like the loud mouse, so to speak, and always talking. And I talked really early. My mom will tell you, like, I came out talking. So I've always been talking. And I think being brought up in a different culture, I was really connected to um, like social injustice and advocacy when I was really young. Mm. So I thought like everyone in my family was like, you're going to be a lawyer. You talk too much. You're, <laughs> you're, or like you're a loudmouth. And you point out everything around you. They're like, you're going to be a lawyer. And then, you know, went through high school and my dad along the way is like, I think you should be a social worker. And I'm like, I'm not going to be a social worker. That's crazy talk. Mm. I'm like, they don't get paid. Like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and then I went to university just to kind of float around and try different things. And I went to like different courses. And I always encourage young people to try all the things. Do not go in with agenda. Just go and pick things that are really interesting. Um, I love art. So art history, but there's like no money in being art, in art like art history major. So mm. when I took a social work class, if it, it felt like a homecoming in a way where it was merging my heart of social justice with my insatiable, let's say curiosity of like the human experience. Mm. And it's so creative. So I feel like it kind of brought all that piece in. And then I thought I was just going to do a diploma. I'm like, I'm not going to do the whole thing. Yeah. I got to the end of my diploma and I'm like, oh, I could do a degree. I'm never doing my master's. And then I got to the end of my degree. I'm like, oh, I think I could do a master's. So <laughs> it's so funny because it's like, I've always been a straight A student. So I don't know why I was so hesitant to go all the way, but it, I think it was just incremental. Mm. And 
I just had really amazing opportunities along the way. I had really amazing mentors that opened doors for me that I never thought were possible. And early on, I found myself just working with a lot of women. And I did almost nine years of just working with um, female survivors of sexual violence. Wow. So that's all I did was sexual abuse counseling and sexual assault and the court system and all the things. And maybe that's where I learned a lot about boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just a but, little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, and then just I just kind of opened up a whole other trajectory of, of just working with people. And I love people so much. Like I find humans just magical and so fascinating and interesting. Um, so I don't feel like my work is really heavy. Mm. At times, I just find it really, I, it's an honor to be part of people's experiences and their lives and help them transform in the way that they really want to transform. I just like, wow, I really admire that perspective. And perhaps, you know, again, in conversation with others, and I have a few friends who are in the field, and that's not necessarily the perspective that I receive in conversation mm-hmm. with them. So like, I feel your, your experience or even the way that you're looking at it is just so unique. Yeah. Wow. I, I, and I think it gives me longevity because I don't get burdened by it in a sense. And I think mm-hmm. that I see the infinite potential of change. And mm. after like, I've been in the, I've been in the helping field now for like 25 years. Um, it's like everything's always changing and it's fascinating. What we're dealing with today is totally different than it was a decade ago. What being mm-hmm. a woman in the world today is very different than 20 years ago. What it means to be a youth today is very different than 20 years ago. And and that infinite evolution is really fascinating to me, which means like in five years, it'll be different than it is today. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's really life-giving because everything's constantly changing. The challenges are different. The growth is different what we're having to deal with is really different. And I think this is why it's important to talk about like relationships and boundaries and all these things, because we're in constant evolution and we're constantly dealing with way more pressure than we've ever dealt with. Like we are in a time in history we've never experienced before as humans. Mm -hmm. We've never had this much pressure on individuals, but also pressure on families, couples, We've yeah. never, ever, ever really seen this before. Um, and we, in the mental health world, we can see how people are suffering mm. and how not well we are. Mm. Mm-hmm. Change is the only constant, I feel. Right. And it's interesting you share that because truthfully, with that comes the review and perhaps the revision of our agreements within mm-hmm. ourselves and then with others, right? It's like, a, right. it's it's forever an evolution. And I think change is really hard for people. And mm-hmm. it's very challenging in relationships for change to occur, especially if we're not talking about it, if we're not in communication, change right. is just happening. And then I think that's where like separation and the divide really comes where mm-hmm. that's like the, the growing apart. The disconnect. As, yes, yeah. exactly. As people talk about. I kind of want to dig into your thought here with this. Um, going back to, you said being a woman today is so different than it was, you know, 20 years ago. How, mm-hmm. how, like, tell me a little bit more about that. This wasn't really part of like, guys, I, I, I told her we were going to talk about one thing and now I'm really throwing you for a loop like, here, now, now but I'm like, wait, I'm so curious. Like, cause I think it's really important to, to acknowledge, like 
in today's society, what are, what are the, you know, perhaps even like unspoken expectations? What is it really like? Right. And I'm, it's so interesting. I just watched Barbie last night and I'm like, oh, uh, what a, did you see that movie? Love it. Loved it. That speech. That's beautiful. Well, Uh, I I was, I I was sobbing. I was like, where's my husband? He needs to hear this. Well, my partner came with me and I also took my niece and nephew. So it was interesting. And they're teenagers. And I was curious to see what their experience was, especially my nephew. Yeah. And he was like over the moon with it. He's like, this is like one of the best movies I've ever seen. He's like, it was so great. He's like, everyone should watch this. Like, and maybe that's maybe the difference too. There's, I mean, there's a lot of things about being different 20 from 20 years ago. I think about 20, 25 years ago, like I got my first cell phone at like, I think I was 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. And that was like the the original super heavy Motorola, like <laughs> ginormous phone that weighed like a thousand pounds. Um, yeah. And you had to pull out the antenna. You know, there's no texting. It was just, you know, so. It was like Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell, I feel. A hundred percent. You know, like I'm 45. So yeah, Saved by the Bell was my jam. Um, so the advent of technology alone has absolutely transformed the experience of being a, a human on this planet, I think, but also for women, especially. Hmm. Because I think that if I think to 25 years ago, so when I was in my early 20s, it was, I would only compare myself to people I knew. Hmm. Like if I was, I don't know, if I wanted to compare whether it was like normal body size, let's say, like, sure, I can compare myself to the the supermodels like Cindy Crawford and all the things that were in the magazines. But there was a bit of a more distance between it. It was like, obviously, this is a celebrity. Obviously, this photo has been airbrushed or touched up. There's a, there's an obvious experience because it's a magazine yeah, um, or it's a movie. Right. So like we understand that and I, you would and I, you would compare yourself to your social circle. So, I mean if everyone was wearing the chunky shoes, you're wearing the chunky shoes, right? So if everyone's doing this fashionable thing, you're just doing it. And maybe you go to another city and you can kind of compare yourself to other women there, but that's pretty much about it. Now the, our ability for comparison is like 8 billion people on the planet. Mm. And our brain is literally not evolved enough to even come close to understanding what that actually means. Because we think we know, we're like, oh, I know I'm comparing myself to this person that isn't real, blah, 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 blah. But it takes less than like three seconds for your brain to um, see an image, process that image and do an immediate comparison to that image. Mm. And we can't um, be smart enough. I put that in quotation marks uh, to undo that. Cause that's a natural, that's a natural thing a brain has to do. And it does that because it's constantly looking for threats and we want our brain to always look for threats. It's the only way we survive. So if I'm crossing the street, I want to be able to see a car. I want to be able to assess how fast the car is going, whether I should walk or not. Like, what am I doing? And it has to happen fast. So mm. that same process happens when you're on Instagram scrolling. Mm. It's, a, it's assessing for threats in the in this exact same way. And we're comparing ourselves to people and now not even real people. Like mm. now AI generated video images of what a woman is supposed to look like. And then we always find ourselves not being good enough, not measuring up, not you know, always wanting or always failing in some sort of way. Mm. So that alone has absolutely transformed, I think, the female experience because we are always never good enough. No matter what happens, we're just never good enough. There's, we're always going to find someone that is better, smarter, prettier, 
thinner, more successful, a better mom, a better whatever it is that we're looking for. We're, it's just literally in our hands. We can find somebody else to compare to. And it's absolutely devastating to our functional like mental health. Holy shit. Yeah. And that, and again, from that lens of being just the self, right? I feel mm-hmm. like when we add in the layers of like wife and mom and it just continues to right. expand and it, it can be just, oh my gosh. I'm like even thinking about it now as I'm like listening to you talk and I'm thinking about truthfully the accounts that I typically see when I pop online, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever I choose to open up Instagram, it's like not my girlfriends that I see anymore. It's not. It's everyone else. And I'm like, mm-hmm. who I follow? Who is this person? Who I'm is like, this oh. person? It's like suggested for you. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? No. I'm like, if I wanted to follow them, I would follow them, you know? And then other times I'm like, oh, wait, what is this cool little thing to do with my daughter? Oh, okay, save, uh-huh. you know? But it's like, I'm very, yeah, I try to well, be so Well, it's designed that way. Um, it's designed that way, right? Like, I, I, I find it really fascinating what, um, when I talk to like, women and couples about mm-hmm. technology and, and and all those kind of things and the influence are like oh, I know it's not real it's like I find it fascinating that we don't acknowledge that Facebook Instagram all all you know TikTok hire the smartest people on the planet to hook you mm-hmm. like it's like no one's ever thought about that if you don't think that they're out there scouring the smartest neuroscientists neuropsychologists and psychiatrists, like all the people that will help you design something to keep someone on something. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, of course they hire the smartest people. It's not just coders. They're hiring people who know how to manipulate the human experience. Because if I was just uh, like Mark Zuckerberg, that's what I would do. I would would be scouring all over the planet being like, who is the smartest person who can help me hack the human brain? That's what I'm doing because that's how I'm going to make more money. Like that's what they do, right? So it's not it's not by accident that your your feed is not filled with your people. Like back in the day when I mean I was like I was the longest holdout for Facebook out of my entire friend group. I was like I'm not doing it. I was like it's the devil. I'm not doing it. But mm. then I had friends who moved away and they were having babies and I was like I want to see photos and they're like you need to be on Facebook. Oh. Um, I was like, great. Okay. I'll go on Facebook so I can see, you know, what's happening and see all the pictures. And, and it was great for a period of time. Cause that's what it was. You're right. You used to be able to see what was going on with your friends and adventures they are having and their yeah. kids' birthday parties, especially if you couldn't be there, they were far away. It was a way to connect with people that there was some distance and now it's evolved into something completely different. It's not that anymore, but yeah, we're, we're on it more often. So I, and I bring this up as, as, a, as probably the biggest change is because in couples, because I work with a lot of couples, like we used to, you know, in, in the world of counseling, we always say couples fight about, you know, two things, two or three things, you know, money, sex, and usually like renovations or um, so, some big project that's actually happening. And what we're seeing now is that they're fighting more likely about disconnection, mm. lack of intimacy is like the highest thing that people come in with. Mm. And the disconnection is typically rooted in like technology. When people where they're in relationships and, and you and I'll get them to, on their phone and say, look at your phone usage, tell me what it says. Because these things, these things give you a lovely report. 
Yeah. And when 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 couples look at their report and they're and they're looking at their phone usage and it's at six, seven, eight hours a day, plus they have full time jobs. It's like what Holy how shit. is that even possible? Yeah. Like unless you're on your phone running a business, which is very different. But otherwise it's like what do you what do you do how what do you do with eight hours a day with this like this thing in your hand and how it takes us away from relationships, it takes us away from being parents. Mm. It takes us away from friendships. It takes us away from work culture or group culture at work and connecting with colleagues. It takes mm-hmm. us away from everything. It creates so much disconnection and we have no boundaries around it. And it's problematic. Yeah. It, yes, 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 yes. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, I, I can especially remember, I think different time periods of life when I tend to gravitate more towards it, right? It's these mm-hmm. times of like, I think, truthfully, we've all experienced COVID in our own way. Right? That was a huge shift, I think. We had way more time on our hands. People were working remotely and, mm-hmm. it, you know, kids were being schooled from home. And there was just, again, this like, mm-hmm. this deep, um, I'll just call it an addiction to mm-hmm. these little devices. And it's just... Mm-hmm. Such wonderful things have come from technology. I'm not saying I wish to get rid of it. My mom gets to see her granddaughter grow up through technology. It's amazing. Like, thank God for FaceTime, guys. But it's amazing. Like, yes. And, you know, too much of a good thing isn't always good, right? right. So it's like holding space for that truth as well. Um, and it's it's so interesting because I think back to, you know, the times of after we brought Frankie home from the hospital and um, we were very blessed to be surrounded by so much support and mm-hmm. my husband was home for the first three weeks thank goodness for his amazing paternity leave right um and i remember we made a very conscious decision that we wanted to minimize the sharing of her mm. images and yeah. i think a lot of it was too for me of like i didn't want to put myself out there again i was setting a boundary for myself yes. as far as like what do I want to allow to come into my sphere as far as like people mm-hmm. knowing, people judging and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So we really minimize the amount of time that we, um, I would say just the, we would really limit the amount of sharing. And I think I even right. did that when I was pregnant, I was setting boundaries for myself because it felt like such mm-hmm. a sacred time for me of like, mm-hmm. I want to be so present with this. And I have fallen previously into the dark hole of social media and spending hours mm-hmm. and hours and hours and hours and hours. I'll admit it. It was disgusting mm-hmm. on posting, right. Of like curating mm-hmm. these beautiful posts. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh no, that's not my thing. And I, I have even found too of like, it was, I remember I would be on the couch next to my husband, right. This is before Frankie. This is before we even yeah. had moved into our home. And, um, so again, this is backing like how many years now, but like I, we would be on the couch next to each other and I would be like, typing up a post and it would take me Mm -hmm. so long. Like guys, I'm talking like a good 40 minutes, right. To like get the coloring right. And then get the cat. And I think about that. I'm like, I just lost 40 minutes Mm -hmm. with him. Right. Cause I was like, so focused on this and I would argue, Oh, it's for work and this like, but was it really, did it really Mm -hmm. need to be like that? Did I need to spend? No. You know? And I just think, especially in, in a time of really like very crucial time right after having our daughter. I'm so glad that we set that boundary for ourselves and we weren't addicted to the feeds because it could have been very easy for me, especially 
looking for all of the advice on breastfeeding, looking for all of the mm-hmm. sleep tips, looking for, you know, a sense of normalcy and like feeling like, why did I just cry over like my daughter going on a, her first walk with her dad around the neighborhood when it was my idea and I decided I wanted to stay here on the couch <laughs> so I could rest. Like what's happening? And again, I like, I can laugh about it now, but like in the moment I was like devastated. My mom's like, she's going to be okay. You just take the baby. I'll be with her. But it's like, you know, we can almost find this sense of like, connection to these complete Mm -hmm. strangers, which is then causing such a disconnect from our Mm -hmm. partners and like our real life support. And I don't want to diminish like the virtual support realm because I think that's important. But again, it's like these live in these live interactions, right? It's not just like this. I'm blanking on the correct terminology, but well, it's, it's, um, it's artificial connection. Mm. So I I'm with you on like, I honestly like I'm super grateful for technology because this wouldn't be possible without it. Like we wouldn't yeah. be able to have this connection. We'd be able to have a conversation. We never would have met virtually. Right. Um, so there's so much beautiful things that have come out of technology and so much appreciation for, you know, what it does for people, how it helps people. I mean, there's so many people who have, you know, learning disabilities where technology has like radically changed their lives. <clears throat> right. So there's so many beautiful things that come with it. But I think it's about you know, we don't ask a lot about whether the ethics of certain technology, right? And so what's happening right now with it, with social media and COVID blew this up. Like, I mean, we've never been like, this is our first time through this, right? When we say like this, we've never done this before. We're just kind of making up the stuff as we go. And, but what it did is it allowed us to have a lot of artificial connection. And I say this because it's artificial because it, there's an illusion of connection, but it actually doesn't resonate. So in the way that our brain works, totally going to nerd out here. So hopefully that's okay. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see me like leaning in closer to the screen? You're like leaning. Oh. Tell me more. Um, I'm totally going to nerd out. So, and what we're, we're built for connection. So in our DNA, how we're created, you know, I fundamentally believe we're created to be perfect. We are perfect the way we are. And mm-hmm. we are meant to be in proximity. So closeness, right? So we, we talk about skin contact, like skin to skin contact with babies. Okay. Yeah. We actually don't grow out of that as humans. Mm. We actually really still need it. So as, as important as for skin to skin, it's important for us to have proximity to the people in our eyes that we love, right? That we care about us, that we know that we are feeling safe. And the reason is, is when we're close, when we hug, when we touch, um, and this stuff is non-sexual. So this is just about physical proximity. That is about um, love is about safety. So it's about with people that you love and feel safe with. Even if you're not touching, but being close to somebody, like in proximity to somebody, your brain chemistry literally changes. Hmm. So when you, when someone hugs you, it takes about 15 seconds for your brain chemistry to start to change. So the longer you have a hug with someone that you love and feel safe with, the actual, it's really good for you it's really good for your brain and then so you have to ask yourself how often am i am i getting hugged and how often Mm -hmm. am i hugging the Mm. people that i care and love about um and covid changes because we stopped touching right so people just stop family family members stopped hugging they stopped touching and i'm like my family's latino so we like hug and kiss and we're we're in each other's faces all the time um <laughs> and so covid really changed that it was and i i've noticed the missing of it i'm like oh i feel so like touch deprived yeah and it's like because like i wasn't when i saw my sister we weren't hugging anymore we weren't because there was all these kind of restrictions and then it slowly kind of got better but still there's a lot of people who are very touch deprived they don't want you to come close and they actually they move away from you 
And that's, mm. I understand that people have their own fears. I am no judgment of that. But the consequence is that we're not spending as much time in proximity to people. And when we're close to somebody or close to another human, our brain chemistry changes and we get a hit of like all the feel good stuff. So like serotonin and dopamine. So all the endorphins that come with it, we feel good. So what happens when we're on social media, our brain says, oh, so if you and I were like on a chat online. Mm-hmm. My brain is saying, oh, I should be feeling connected to Chelsea because I'm having a conversation with her. Hmm. And I might laugh and then we might have a really good banter, but I'm not getting that, that endorphin hit. So hmm. I'm not getting that rush of like feel good stuff because we're not actually together together. So then my brain goes, oh, but this is weird. I'm not getting it. So I need to be on here longer because I, maybe I'm missing something. And so it wants to stay longer because it's waiting for that endorphin kick. It's waiting for that feel good stuff that comes with connection, hmm. but it doesn't happen. So this is the this is how the brain gets hacked to stay on scrolling for hours and hours and hours and hours because it's it's artificial connection. It's like your brain goes, oh, I should be feeling this stuff, but I'm not getting it. So therefore, I'm going to hang out more because our brain is wired for um, to avoid pain and seek out mm. pleasure. That's really it's really that simple. So it's seeking that pleasure. It's seeking that connection. It's seeking that kind of endorphin rush and it's not getting it. So it stays on there longer and longer and longer. And that's what really creates an addiction. It's no, it's very similar to how cocaine works, Mm. right? So cocaine, when you use cocaine, it gives you this kind of endorphin rush and it feels really good. And then you want, I want more of it. I want more of it. I want more of it. Social media, the way that it's been created and the colors and the process is actually half the brain to, to function very similarly to drugs. So we can get addicted to it. And it's not because we can't control it. It's because we want connection and Mm. we are built for connection. We want to be with other humans. We we need it to survive. Like we would die without it. So it's artificial connection. So when you, when you're on that couch with your husband and you're like spending so much time here, this is artificial connection. And yet the real connection is right beside you, but somehow we've, we, and I'm, I'm not judging because we, because yeah. I've done it too. We deem the connection on our phone to this imaginary world more important than the person right next to us. Or we, we assume the person next to us is always going to be there. Mm. So we take that for granted. We take this relationship for granted. Think, well, I need to perform here. I need this look to look amazing because I want other people to view me in a certain way. I want someone else to see my beautiful photo. I want all the comments. I want the likes. I want the things. And so what we do is we say, this is important right now because this is always going to be there. I don't need to really do this because it's already there. So we make, you know, when you said earlier, we, we kind of, um, get into this taking advantage or we just we don't look at change and we don't acknowledge that our relationship is constantly evolving and that we're changing mm-hmm. and we assume in a relationship it stays steady and it's not right and so then we're not invested in this this person next to us and then over time what that does is creates more disconnection more dis- more space between and then it becomes harder to reach so when you mm-hmm. reach out physically you literally can't touch them you can't feel them because they're so far away and then when couples I see and if that come to therapy, eventually they come to a place of like, I don't even know what we're like, why are we doing this anymore? Like we don't I don't know you, we don't like each other, maybe we don't get along anymore, we're just fighting, we're just together because of the kids. Like because there's so much space, there's so much disconnection between two people. Damn. 
like talk about so deep so quick. I'm like, it is, and I, I can't help but feel in hearing you share all of this, a lot of it could be prevented. All the time, yes. So I feel like specifically, right, we've talked so much about this this piece of social media, which I, I'm really glad we dove into because just as you were saying, it influences so much day-to-day for us as women, right? I think social media, just as you have been sharing, it's been this, this point of um, – I will, I will definitely agree with you in this sense of artificial connection, right? And I think as moms, we, we're looking for support. We're looking for that, that mm-hmm. validation, feeling seen, feeling heard. Um, and I, it's so interesting because I don't want to shame anyone in that that may be an area that you're seeking, especially if you don't feel like you have that support in real life, right? But I would love to ask you, you know, what advice would you have for, for those who are listening, who are like, but like, I don't like what, then where do I go? Right. If like Mm -hmm. social media is what is seemingly it's presenting itself as available and as it can be a place of support, a place of connection. And, you know, it really feels like it's the only place for me to go because since having, you know, our baby or our children, Mm-hmm. I feel like my husband just doesn't understand. My husband just doesn't get it. His, you know, mm-hmm. he's looking for, you know, um, more perhaps even like this intimate connection. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't even think about that. You know what I mean? Like I'm mm-hmm. over here. I'm like, and it doesn't even have to be the early days of motherhood, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to be just like leaking through your bra and like feeling so <laughs> exhausted and like you're so sore down there. You're like, I, I can't even think about having sex with you. It may have mm-hmm. been like eight weeks later and like I can't even can't even think about mm-hmm. that right now. It could honestly be years in. And mm-hmm. I just feel like because again, as we've said, change is the only constant. Our relationships mm-hmm. are are always shifting. And I think there's truthfully, there's beauty in that if if we look at mm-hmm. it as such. Um, what advice would you have for women who are listening who are like, Cecilia, tell me what the fuck to do because now I just don't know. <laughs> like I just want to like chuck my phone across the room and like now I need to go like talk to my partner who like I haven't <laughs> maybe I haven't mm. spoken to in the past two days. Like a true, right. like a true conversation yeah. outside of, you know, right. how is work and this is what the kids right. do today. You know what I mean? Right. Totally get it. Also, no shame. I'm not, this is this like, I don't come from a place of shaming at all. It's more of like, if we don't have, if we don't start having the conversation, then nothing will actually really change. Yeah. Right. And, and some of it is like, we're just, most people are, don't understand like what happens to our brain when we're actually using social media and what happens to our brain when we're not in connection with another person. Like, it's just important to have that information. So t- I have tons of advice. So I'll try to keep like to a handful of things. So yeah. One is really... <laughs> I would really, I encourage everyone is to take the apps off your phone. Mm. Try it for 30 days. Like do a 30 day cleanse. You can access it on a computer, on a desktop. That's totally fine. Um, But take them off your phone. Like get rid of the accessibility of it. Because what you'll find is when you, one, you're going to find how often you reach, you're going to realize how often you reach for your phone. But two, you realize when it's not there, you're like, okay, so then what can I do now? Like you actually start to ask yourself some questions like, what are my other options? But when something's so readily available, we don't actually ask ourselves what the other option is because we will pick the easiest thing. I mean, it, we're creatures of habit. We pick the easiest thing all the time. So get rid of how easy it actually is. 
So, and ask yourself, what else can I do? Sometimes that's just as simple as going outside and having a random conversation with someone who's walking by. Like we forget Mm. that connection comes in random encounters, right? It doesn't always have to be in intimate relationships or friendships or or parents or all the things. It's like, we are meant to live in community. Mm. And I think we've forgotten that a little bit. Like, Humans are created to live in a village, really. We, we thrive the most between 150 to 200 people. Like, that's really what we're supposed to be living in. But now we live in cities of, like, tens of hundreds of thousands of people sometimes. Mm. So the one thing that COVID changed for a lot of people, and I know it changed for myself, is I, I mean, I, don't, I love talking to strangers. So <laughs> love it. Like I, and my partner does too. Like he create, he creates conversations with, like, he's way more extroverted than I am. I'm like, okay, it's too much. I need to walk away. Um, but <laughs> like, I love talking to strangers. I will easily have a conversation with, you know, somebody over tomatoes or an, a, a, the, the checkout aisle or wherever I am, or I'll say to someone like, I really love your shoes or mm-hmm. I really love that jacket. Like I, really enjoy being in community. That's really important to me. So, and that helps me feel connected. It's not just my relationship. And I think we need to get out of the pressure of it being just our spouse. Mm. Like one person cannot fulfill every single piece of us, right? We have to have, we have to have more people. We were never meant to have it this way. We were never, our spouse was really, it's the first time in history, actually, that the person that we have children with is also the person that we expect to have massive amounts of romance with and supposed to be our best friend and be the person that like lights up our erotic energy and mm. is a person that support helps like create safety and is a parent like it's just so much pressure so it's remembering that community is around you and when covid hit i really struggled with that because people didn't want to talk to you and when you got masks on you can't see people yeah you can't read their facial expressions so that was like a huge struggle so it's remembering that if you put your phone down, you have to go into the world. And I know that there's, again, a lot of pressure, like, well, I don't look okay. And my breasts are leaking and my baby's crying and all the things. Nobody cares. Just go into mm-hmm. the world. Like it's the world isn't created for perfection. The world is actually created to be in, to experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And we need to remember that. So mm-hmm. get off the apps, get out into the world. The third thing I would say is get clear on asking for what you want and need. So what, what happens in relationships most of the time, and again, I'm being very stereotypical, but is that, especially when you've got kids, is that both individuals have their own internal expectations of what they think their role should be. So I would have my expectation what it means to be a wife and my partner would have an expectation what it means to be a husband. And we, people often don't talk about these things. These are just like internal things that we never give voice to. And then we just go along expecting these things. And if I have expectations of myself, that means on the flip side, I have expectations of you Mm. that I've probably never even talked about. Mm -hmm. So then you throw a baby in the mix and then we have the expectations of what it means to be a mom and what it means to be a dad. And there's all of these hidden things that are happening that no one's really talking about. And so the conversation to have with your partner is, is we often wait for things to boil up. And then there's an explosion. It's like, it, then we're fighting about the dishes. And tr- let me, you're never fighting about the dishes. It's never about the dishes. It's never about the dishes. It's never about the shoes. It's never about the laundry that's not put away. It's never about not making the bed. It's never about not heating up a bottle for the baby. It, it, it's never about any of that stuff ever. It's always deeper than that. And yeah. usually it's about disconnection. So couples typically have conflict over 
the deeper issues are easier. Like I, I want to be seen and heard and acknowledged. Mm. I want to be loved and supported. Or I want some control in my life because I feel like everything's out of control. Mm. And it would be so beneficial instead of having conflict or saying, you don't understand me to say, you know, I just need some connection. What is my bid for connection? I need you just to hold me. I need you just to love me. I need you to sit beside me. I need you to watch a movie with me. I need you to, you know, take care of the baby while I take a shower. I need you to, instead of assuming the other person's going to know what you need, want, and desire, you just need to say it. We need to get better at saying those things because, I mean, that's the beginning place of boundaries. Boundaries are just where I end and you begin. Mm. Lovingly, lovingly. My boundary is where I end and you begin. That's it. But there's a place of love there. And we, I see couples over and over again. And, and also I blame like Disney for this, like all the Disney stories and all the princesses and all the princess stories we grew up with and Hollywood and the rom-coms and Hallmark movies that are out right now for the holiday season. This idea that you fall in love and then that's it. And this person should know you to the core and anticipate every single one of your needs and wants and desires at all times. And if they're not, if they guess wrong, that means that they don't love you. Mm. But that's just not true. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but like, I really know what I need moment to moment. Oh my God. How can my partner ever right. know? Like, I don't even know what I need half the time. Yeah. How is he possibly going to make the right guess? It's a losing battle. Mm. So and we think connection, we think men want sex. Here's another fourth thing I'll say. We think that men want sex. And the truth is, is that men are socialized to talk about intimacy through sex. We don't teach, men are not brought up to say, I want some tenderness. I want to, I just want to feel close to you. We don't train, we don't, we don't raise boys to be that way, mm -hmm. right? We raise them to be stoic and we raise them to be tough and to put their emotions away and not share how they feel. And so they turn into men who kind of are a product of their socialization. So the only way they know how to ask for closeness is sex. Mm. But I have spent a lot of time with men. And let me tell you, it's not really about sex. Is that sex is their entryway to connection. Sex mm. is their entryway to feeling close to you. So it's a conversation of closeness. It's not really a conversation about sex. It's how do I feel close to you? And I, I would bet money on if women start asking their male partners what is it that you need to feel close to me you'd get a different answer than sex I mean sex might be in there yeah. but there's probably gonna be a whole bunch of other things and if you were to ask yourself what do I need to feel close to my partner there's a whole bunch of things in there yeah and until you have that conversation you can't expect them to guess like you need to give your partner a cheat sheet mm. Like, I'm a big fan of cheat sheets. I, like, really want to ask Colin right now. <laughs> like, I cannot <laughs> wait until we're done with this so I can run upstairs and pray that he's not in a meeting and be like, so, honey. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what, what do you, so what do you, curious. What, like, how, what makes you feel close to me? I mean, when I ask my partner, he'll say something as simple as, like, you know, when we have breakfast together on Saturday mornings and we're just not in a rush. Oh, that has like nothing that. to do with sex. Yeah. Or it has to do, like, when we, like, go for walks with the dogs. Yeah. Or when we plan, when we, we spend dedicated time planning our next vacation, those things are all about closeness. And I think that women assume men just want sex, mm. especially after like when we're talking about kids and stuff like that, feels like a lot of pressure yeah. and men don't know how to get that closeness because they don't want to be in competition with the child. 
but they kind of weirdly are. So they don't want to say, they don't want to say like, I want more of your time, but I know that the baby needs your time. So I feel like an, like an ass by asking for your time. Like there is a bit of an understanding, but the only thing that's different between being a mom and being a partner is sex. Mm. So it becomes the only entry point. It's like, well, you're giving all of this to this baby and I want you to like, yes, we're on board yeah. to raising this like new human on the planet. But I, I also want to feel close to you, but I don't know how to bid for that. I don't know how to ask for that. So the only way for me to ask is actually through sex mm. because that's the only thing that's different, right? Like that's, that's not what I do with my friends. That's not what I do with anybody else. It's the one thing that really delineates an intimate relationship is sexual intimacy. So then what's typical for men is that's their entry point. And then women are typically so overwhelmed. They're like, I can't believe you're asking me for sex. Like, I'm still sore. I have stitches. What are you talking about? Yeah. And then we get defensive. We get like, how could you possibly do that? Do you not understand what's going on with me? Do you not understand that this like new human is like feeding off my breast 24 seven? Yeah. And it's not about not understanding is this that there's a, there's a, it's almost like a misconnection, right? Like it's a miscommunication that okay. used to be maybe easier when there wasn't a baby, but it's become much more difficult because they're like, there's no way to have that conversation. So I encourage people to have conversation about closeness not about intimacy, not about sex, but closeness. How do I have more proximity with you? How do I have more skin to skin contact without it being about intercourse? Yeah. How do we do this? Because I, I can guarantee it changes. It just changes the conversation. I feel, oh my goodness, this is, first of all, I'm just like so many thoughts. I'm like, where do I even begin in my response? Um, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think, I believe I shared this with you when we first connected to talk about what we were going to talk about. Um, mm -hmm. Colin and I actually did, truthfully, guys, like we took relationship quizzes before mm -hmm. we had Frankie. And I remember thinking, he's going to think I'm fucking bananas. Like, but like, whatever. <laughs> I was, again, you hear about all these things that change. You lose your house, you lose your body, you lose your time, mm -hmm. you lose your career, you lose your relationship. I'm like, there's got to be a better way. Like how, like, yeah. how can I do this differently? And one of the things that I had read about in the fourth trimester guide, I think that's what it's called. Oh, just the fourth trimester. Yeah. Postpartum guide by Kimberly Ann Johnson. There was a whole section of like preparing your relationship and finding, mm. I, she uses, I believe intimacy, but yes, exactly. As you're saying this connection with your partner um, outside of, again, just intercourse and mm -hmm. even so much of like talking about like what were our non-negotiables, what mm -hmm. were our ways to, um, like what were our fears and truthfully, like having vulnerable conversations with each other of, we need to know where the other one is at. What are our, like, mm -hmm. what are our boundaries in a sense of like, mm -hmm. this is what I'm fearful of. This is like my, my push point. Right. And it was really eye-opening for us to have those conversations and really share a lot of a lot of those thoughts before we had even had Frankie. Right. So when she was here, Earthside, and she, you know, really joined our family unit. I say that because we have a dog. <laughs> um, but it made it a lot more um I don't want to say easy, but I'm just going to say easy to have certain conversations because mm -hmm. we kind of knew where the other one were at. Right. Even with all of the hormones and the cheat and the, the schedule. And when we both were back to work, like it was a lot to juggle all of that, but it was like, okay, wait a second. 
I know his one thing is he just needs time to himself. Mm-hmm. What would I, if it was three times a week, he just needed to get out of the house. He needed to go to the mm-hmm. gym. He needs that. Okay. And my thing is I really need to feel like my hair and my face is pulled together, right? Like I appreciate a good hair day, no matter how much dry shampoo is in there. If my hair looks good and someone's like, dang, you got some really good locks going on. I'm like, I, I am complete as a human. Like I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm living, I'm thriving. Um, so it was interesting to have that up front. And I think to your point of this whole piece of, you know, talking about the needs, oh my gosh, you add in guys like the hormone changes, even once you're how many months in postpartum, Mm -hmm. again, this is like, there's so much else happening. I think, and this is why I say we are forever postpartum. We're forever different after having a child or children. Mm-hmm. We, The way that we feel, the way that we think, and therefore the way that we act is completely different after having a baby. No matter how old they are, they can be married off on their own with their own family. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. And I think, again, just being honest and sharing with, with people in general, exactly as you're saying, what are these wants, what are these needs? It really helps. There are times when like, Sorry if my sister-in-laws or my mother-in-law are listening to this. Even my own mom, I'm like, sorry, guys. But like, there will be times I'm like, what do you want to do tonight? And he'll be like, I know what we could do tonight. And I'm like, can we just cuddle? Like, just Mm -hmm. cuddle on the couch. Like, let's just like put on, you know, succession or whatever. And just like enjoy touching without like touching. You know, I'm like, "Ah, I just like don't. It's cold. I don't want to be naked right now. Like, can we just like not? And guess what? It's fine. And like, Mm -hmm. there have also been times where like I've shared with him where, you know, I'll feel bad for like not wanting to have sex or Mm -hmm. again. And it's so funny because like even my Mm -hmm. own brain goes right to that as like, that's the only way to like acknowledge again, his needs. And I'm like, Oh God, there's so much more. Mm -hmm. And like, I really need to like go back to that initial, really all that prep work that we did and be like, I need to remind myself sometimes Again, and even just touch base, like things have changed. Our dynamic in and of itself has totally changed since a year and a half ago. And it's just like, okay, so what are those, what are those points to meet each other? Um, Wow. I I can talk with you for so long. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what else do you have? I'm like, no, I know. I'm like, wait, like how much more time do we have? (laughs) I think that, you know, we think that boundaries are these rigid things. Like there are just like these hard walls and non-negotiables. And I, I love what you shared, Chelsea, because it's this, it, it's more of a nuanced conversation that are constantly evolving and having these, you know, we need to have vulnerability and we need to have curiosity and then we can have boundaries, mm-hmm. right? So we have to have some vulnerability to say, this is how I feel and think, and I'm not really sure what you're going to think about that or feel about that. I'm going to show this gushy side of me, this like messy piece of me that I probably keep hidden for most people, but I need to show this piece of me to you because I want a closer relationship with you. And the curiosity piece is about being really curious about our partners. We, I, it just astounds me that we think that we meet someone and we're like, it's anyways, it's very weird that we like go into the world date and like this human, I'm going to be with this human. Mm. And this human among all the other humans, and I'm going to have children with this human. Like it's a very, it's so weird when you really think about it, but it's like, we think that, you know, we know them. So we date, we are engaged and and maybe you get married and all the things, or maybe don't get married, whatever. You have this long-term relationship and then you think this person just knows you. So therefore the curiosity ends, Mm -hmm. but we need to, you know, a juicy, loving relationship that is thriving, not just surviving, but 
thriving in your relationship is, is having ongoing curiosity mm-hmm. because you're changing. And so is your partner all the time. Yeah. And having curiosity is, is, it's just so much more fun when we're in a relationship or we're curious about our partner. There's just a lot more fun in that. And through that vulnerability and curiosity, we can then set some boundaries mm. and say, okay, this is, this is what I know about you now. And you know this about me now. Now, where do I end and you begin? Where do my needs mm. are? and Where are your needs? And where, how can we can negotiate these things? We often think boundaries are just so rigid. Like this is just the way it is forever. And that's it. And so either we don't set them because we're scared to disappoint or hurt somebody or, they're going to have a hurt feeling or they're going to be angry um, or we set them in a way that is very, which can feel very aggressive, let's say, or very definitive. And then we don't negotiate them because we don't want to be a person that takes back their boundary or takes back their word. But in fact, boundaries are, are fluid mm. and, and they can be negotiated at all times. Because if you think about even yourself, like I love that you and your husband had that conversation to begin with, but there's no way you would have known what it was like to have Frankie until Frankie was there. Right. So then you have, then you negotiate it again. And then when Frankie's a newborn versus Frankie being six months, it's very different. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. And so there's, <laughs> right. And so like, as, as things change and evolve, cause your family is going to change and evolve as it should, there's a constant renegotiation and there's a constant mm-hmm. curiosity because being a mom of a newborn is very different than being a mom of a 10 year old. Yeah. And honestly it should, you, yeah. like, you don't treat your 10 year old like a newborn. So your evolution and your role as a mother changes over time. And so it does for your, for your partner, for dads, like being a dad of a newborn is very different than being a dad of a 10 year old. Absolutely. And we just stop being curious about it to be like, what, what is it like to be a dad? Like, I have no idea. Like, I'm not, I'm not a dad. So how would I know? Yeah. And when we open up conversation for curiosity, 90% of the time, the other person reflects the same question back is also curious about you. Mm. And we often hold down and be like, I'm not saying anything until you say something. That's not going to get you anywhere. You can't set boundaries that way. Boundaries are about, but it's loving me and loving you. That's really what boundaries are. It's like boundaries is an agreement that I love me and I love you. So how do we do this together? That's really what a boundary is. Hmm. It's so beautiful. I didn't quite realize really that distinct um, connection, right, through communication with the boundaries and communication in a sense of like learning, not just about like sharing how you feel, but truthfully mm-hmm. on the other side. And it's funny because, you know, again, guys, I'm like a little like woo woo, whatever. But um, <laughs> there will be times when Colin will just like randomly say like a statement, right? We'll be like driving, yeah. he'll just like share an opinion. And I'm like, Tell me more about that. He's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, just, I'm just curious. Like, tell me, like, yeah, yeah, I think more. it's so easy for us to find ourselves. Like he and I have been together for, uh, since 2015. Right. And like, it's not that long. Like we knew each other well before we started dating, mm-hmm. but I think about it and like, it's still a decent amount of time yet. He also lived so much life before me mm-hmm. and he also lived so much life even during the time that we've been together without me right next to him. I don't know how he is at work. I don't know how he is with the guys. I'm like, there is so much I actually don't know about you. And I'm like, it's kind of crazy that like we share so much. And I'm like, but how, like, tell me a random story. And there will be times when I get like, oh my goodness, Cecilia. I'm like, I am such a seeker, right? In communication and these sorts of connection. Cause I'll be like, tell me a random story. Like, tell me, you know, even if I'm like, 
make something up and like tell me like some like imagination, you know? And he's like, what the fuck? Like, why? And like, he's like, what do you want to know? What do you, or like history or like whatever. And I'm like, I just want to like learn from you. I just want to hear from you. I'm going to go tell him about this conversation because he's going to be like, great, great. What are we going to be talking about later tonight? Pillow talk, you know? But he, I think he really does love it. Like he teases me, but I think he, he loves it. Well, and even a story that's been told many times. We can ask questions about it that are different, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and when you're in in a relationship, like you're like, you're coming up on a, like close to a decade at some point, it's like, there's so much, you know, you know, a lot of the stories, you know, but not all the stories are the same, you know, like if you just spin it a little bit or ask a different question or come up from a different perspective, you're going to find out more. And so not knowing either terrifies you or excites you. Yeah. Right. Like some people like don't like the unknown. It's like, I want my person to be like this person I can rely on. I can trust. And that's it. Done. You know, put in a package and put it on the wall. Or you can be like, this person's constantly evolving and I have no idea. And that's absolutely magical. And that's absolutely exciting to be like, this person's going to be a different person in a few years. And that's really exciting. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's where connection is, is in that curiosity and that vulnerability and and what will come out of that naturally are some boundaries. Because boundaries that come out of conflict are really hard because they feel like a wall. But boundaries that come out of a place of love and vulnerability and curiosity are really, they feel softer. And it's also, you're going to see people be more engaged with those boundaries because they understand it's a place of love. It's like, I understand myself and I understand you. So therefore, this is really easy versus it being like, oh, this is is the rules you have. Like boundaries aren't Mm -hmm. supposed to be rules. They're supposed to be ways of loving each other in a way that I can keep myself being a person who I am and I can honor the person you are at the same time. Oh my gosh. I feel like everyone listening is like, don't end this interview. (laughs) Keep going. But I do. I'm like looking in the clock. I'm like, shit, we have one minute left and I'm sure you have a client full day ahead of you. So um, first of all, thank you so much again for having this conversation. I've Fucking loved every minute of it. I get. I learned so much, and um, I cannot wait to just tell Colin about all of it. Sorry, babe, if you're listening to this episode now, you <laughs> you know it's coming. You've already experienced it. But um, please tell everyone who have listened. Um, I will ask you my my question here in a moment. But okay, what is the best way for them to get in contact with you? What's going on? How can they hear more from you? Oh, my goodness. Love it. Most of them are going to be in the States. I will warn you, but I'm sure That's we right. can find some finagle room. Yeah. That's okay. I'm I'm open to everybody. Um, So I have a podcast called Mental Makeover Radio, where I answer listeners' questions that they can submit through a Google form, which is really exciting and fun, um, talking about all things, relationships, parenting, um, attachment styles, dealing with conflict, all the things. Um, you can just submit any question and be featured. Um, on the podcast, I also um, do some solo stuff where I just talk a lot about connection. Like I'm on a mission to help people build connection to themselves and to other people in their lives. Mm-hmm. So you can find me on my podcast every week. You can also um, find me on um, my website, which is ceciliamanella.com. Um, and I'm on Instagram with uh, mental makeover radio as well and i love to chat there so come on hang out and see what it's all about oh my gosh and in two seconds what is your one piece of advice if you could share with every new mama what would it be don't lose yourself 
all the snaps for that. Cecilia, yes. thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Chelsea. Oh, my goodness, what a treat. And truthfully, so like everyone go follow her. <laughs> <laughs> I know Thanks, I Chelsea. am right now and submit your questions. And um, we look forward to chatting with you soon. Great. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode on the Cultivate with Chelsea podcast. If you're inspired by this conversation to help yourself or another mama prepare for life after birth, my number one postpartum planning resource is now available. Check out the link in the show notes for more information. New mamahood is truly a journey, and I'm so appreciative to be on it with you. Until next week, with care, Chelsea.